Mac. Uh, Can you, Mac? Got some nice uh, hot coffee for you. Uh, what's that? Coffee. Oh, it's you, Hickey. How are we doing? Oh, we're getting pretty close to our target now. Yeah, we are, are we? Now, hold on to this squeeze bottle and don't scold yourself. Okay. Oh. Mm. Really is coffee. <laughs> How did you make it? No, I didn't. Kramer told me where to find it in the food store. Wonderful. Oh, of course, I strapped down. Did that to avoid floating in my sleep. Oh, Mac. How did you sleep? Hello, Bob. I seem to be dreaming most of the time. So did I. The space doctors say it's caused by the weightlessness. Mm. I dreamt I was floating around the Earth in a spacesuit, marooned on one of the components of Orbiter X. Mm. What's that picture on the scanner? That, my friend, is a close-up of the moon. What? You're looking at the northern hemisphere. The large dark crater is Plato. Over to the left there is the Great Valley, cutting straight through the lunar Alps. Oh, I want to see more of this. Now finish your coffee first. You won't be able to when the retrojets start firing. You mean we really are going to land? Yes, I don't think there's any doubt about it now. According to Kramer, we're landing in a crater which, with his usual modesty, he's called Unity. <laughs> it's right on the rim of the moon as we see it from the Earth. I'll pan the television camera over to it. Mm. There, there it is. Not far from the crater of Wagenti. Oh, I see. Well, if that's where the moon base is... He's chosen a good spot. Yes, being on the rim, it's safe from Earth observation. Exactly. Oh, you're awake, are you, Kramer? But of course. Uh, how big is this Unity crater? It is no more than 20 miles across. And how high are the walls? The almost vertical cliffs rise to a height of 1,000 feet. Now, there seem to be one or two breaks in them. Yes, those are canyons. And where's the base you were telling us about? Inside the western wall. <laughs> I can see something flashing down there. Yes, what is it, Kramer? That is our landing platform. As you see, my staff are there to receive us. I shall now stand by the artillery retro controls in order to make any final adjustments necessary to bring us down onto the target. Hello, what's that? The warning that the ship's inverters are about to start prepared to landing. Here we go. We're turning over. Nose to tail. Get into your contour seats and fasten your belts. When the tail is pointing towards the landing platform, the retrojets will open. The jets are up to fire. Prepare for deacceleration. We're not breaking as hard as I expected, Mac. No. I suppose Kramer knows his stuff. But if I was at the controls, I'd open the auxiliaries pretty quickly. He's doing it now. Something's wrong. Bob, look at the scanner. We're turning away from the landing zone. Yes, and we're still coming down too fast. Karma, what's the trouble? A fault in the fuel supply to the auxiliary compressors. I must get to the taps. Where are they? On the starboard bulkhead. By the chairman, my engineer would have been on duty. Can't do it on his own. Mac, Hickey, give him a hand. Right. right. Leave it to us. Yeah, hold on yourselves. If you let go, the G-thrust will throw you through the bulkhead. Don't worry. We'll hold on. All right. Come up. I'll take the controls. Keep them steady as they are. Okay. Right, Karma, we've got dinner. Come on, over uh, we go. Hang on to the hand grip. Help me into the engineer's seat. Uh, that, that's it. Now return to your own. Quick as you can. You've got about 30 seconds. Go on, Hickey. Okay, Max. If he gets the jets on full boost while they're crossing the cabin, we'll be finished. I have located and corrected the fault. Hold it, Karma. Wait for the boys to get into their seats. 
Hurry up, Mac. All right. What are you there for? Okay, Bob. coming up. There are too many rocks. I'm aiming towards a small crater. Stand by for crash landing. Here we go. Bob. You hurt? No. Nothing serious. What about the rest of you? Uh, I'm all right. And me, sir. Just fasten my belt in time. Good. Grammar. Oh, thank you for your interest, Britain. I'm uh, quite safe. We are losing pressure through the engine room. I must trust the bulkhead. Funny, I'm rather glad Kramer's all right. I must be moonstruck. No, Hickey, he's a strange character. I wonder why he gave us time to get back to our seats like that. Yes. Why did you do it, Kramer? For purely economic reasons. You happen to be of more potential value to me alive than dead. Oh, I thought we might have been on the brink of a beautiful friendship. Turn it up, Hickey. Okay, sir. Well, so we're on the moon. That's good to feel a bit of gravity again. Although there isn't much of it. What's that? The ship moved. Yes, it did. Can't see much from the observation windows until the dust clears outside. Something's going on. Crumb, have you any idea where we are? Yes, I have. But go on, what's wrong? We have landed on quicksands. What? Quicksands? Are you sure? Yes, I know these areas only too well. Oh, we'd better get out of here. If you leave the ship, you'll be swallowed up. In fact, there's a very real danger that the whole ship might be buried. Are you serious? Quite serious. We are sinking now. Oh, can't we start the jets? They are choked in dust. If you turn them on, the compressors will explode. Well, you're supposed to be the mastermind. What about it, eh? What do we do? Our course will have been plotted by the staff at Moon Headquarters. It's probably been plotted at Woomera, too, but that doesn't help us to get out of this mess. Listen to me. My HQ staff will have put rescue measures into operation already. They will know our position and no time will be wasted. But how are they going to reach us here? They can't travel over those sands. Nothing is impossible. And regarding your remark about Woomera Hicks, you and your friends have overlooked the most important point. Oh, Yes. You did indeed destroy the ship's deflectors. But this will have become immediately apparent to my staffs, both here and on the Earth. Within a very short time, they would have started their interference transmitters. We'll have been screened from your tracking stations throughout our entire journey. I shouldn't be too sure about that if I were you. As you say, nothing is impossible. And strange things can happen to space radio. <laughs> Prime Minister, I quite understand. I'll tell Colonel Kent. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, Sir Charles, what's the verdict? Well, as you heard, Kent, I put all your points to him. Your offer to take up a ship single-handed is regarded as a very gallant gesture. He asked me to tell you that. Thank you very much. But has he given permission for me to go ahead and do it? No. He's got to discuss it with the Commonwealth governments. Uh, there'll be a meeting in about six weeks' six time. Six weeks? Uh, yes, I explained the urgency. Oh. And what about the moon probe? 
Uh, the moon probe. Oh, well, he, he was good enough to leave that to my discretion, uh, providing I keep him well in the picture, of course. At least we've won a point there. I take it you've no objection to me launching the probe? It's, it's, it's rather difficult, Kent. You, you see, the PM drew my attention to the fact that if there should be an unforeseen accident on the firing platform... Oh. I'm not saying that it's likely, but, but if there was an explosion... And if it involved any serious loss of life, uh, the results would be most damaging to all of us. So the main risk is to our reputations, is it? No, no, no. I, I'm considering the broader issues, the entire Orbiter X project, in fact. So even the probe remains grounded, does it? In the circumstances, I do feel it would be foolish to take any unnecessary risks for no immediate reason. And that's your final word? I'm afraid it must be uh, for the moment. Come in. Uh, yes, Brown, what is it? I've just had a tracker report in, sir. I thought you ought to be told right away. Well, what is it? An unidentified flying object has been seen approaching the moon at 1835. What? There was a good deal of interference, but the report has been confirmed by no fewer than ten tracking stations. Uh, uh, couldn't this object have been a meteorite? Not a chance of that, sir. The trackers held it for almost a minute before it disappeared into the Wargenton area near the rim of the moon. Did they get a description of it? Only that it was cigar-shaped, made of metal, and rather bigger than anything we know to be in production on Earth, sir. Right. I'll follow this up at once. Right, sir. Sir Charles, a moment ago you said it would be foolish to take any unnecessary risks for no immediate reason. Now we have that reason. So, can I have permission to launch the probe? I... I don't want to be difficult, Kent, but what practical purpose will it serve? The projectile can be aimed at the area where the UFO landed. Its TV cameras may or may not send us back pictures. That depends on the interference level. But there's a good chance that its film cameras will bring us back some very interesting material. Yes, but we, we, we don't want any diplomatic complications. This UFO, or U UFO as you call it, must surely be a Russian or American rocket of some sort. We'll check with the UN Space Department. If it is, we might consider ourselves fortunate. But if this object, which has just been sighted, is a genuine UFO belonging to no country on Earth, then it follows that our boys were not alone in space when they met with disaster. They could have been attacked. Yes, I... Yes, I, I, I suppose it is just possible. I'll get on to the space department now. But if my theories are correct, there is still one ray of hope. Britain and his colleagues may not be entombed in their derelict ships out there in orbit. They may be still alive. But under what circumstances and in whose hands, heaven alone knows. Temperature in the cabin's getting a bit trying, Bob. Yes, Mac. The ship's in the full glare of the sun. That dust bowl outside is like an oven. Kram, is there anything we can do to step up the cooling plant? No. The main generators are wrecked, and they're already overloading the batteries. There is no more power available. We'll have to be getting out of here soon anyway. Look through the observation port, Bob. The dust's beginning to settle, and you can see what the situation is now. Yes. Quicksands are doing their work. The ship's tail section's entirely buried. We must get out of the airlock before that's swallowed up, too. Uh, we'd better move fast. Yes, collect your gear, check spacesuits, and bring all the reserve air bottles you can carry. Uh, okay, sir. You know, ever since I was a kid, I've dreamed of landing on the moon. Yeah, but not this way, Mac. No, never like this. Uh, what's going on? The ship's moving. Yes, it's turning over. We've got to get out. Open the airlock. Now close your helmets, all of you. Turn on helmet intercom. 
Jump to it, boys. Come quickly. Come on, I'm after okay, you. Bob. Okay, Bob. Okay, Bob. Okay. Open the air, I'll... The ship's toppled over from the vertical into an almost horizontal position. Yes, and it's listing on this side, just where we want to get out. Pressure zero. Open the outer hatch. Everybody out, quickly, before the lock fills up with sand. Another half a minute and we'd have been trapped. Yes. You all okay? Yes. We're all right, Bob. Climb up further, onto the highest part of the hull. Can't see a thing through this dust. Maybe it's just as well. Yes. What's happened to your rescue party from the moon base, Kramer? How far they've got to come? I estimate the distance of about 60 miles. They should be here in a moment. How are they traveling? By hover car. It is not unlike the so-called saucer which was developed in England. But that travels on air cushions. There's no air for the lifting jets here. We substitute electrically charged atoms. You mean you've developed ionic jets? Exactly. They lift the machine just clear of the ground, whatever the nature of the surface may be. I suppose the thrust doesn't have to be very strong to offset the moon's gravity. There they are. Well, thank goodness for that. Are you receiving me? Hello, Neeson. Yes, I'm receiving you on my helmet intercom. You are most welcome. What is your distance from us and your speed? We are closing with you at 1,000 yards. Speed, 50 knots. Have you got our position? Yes, I am watching you on the scanner. Hold on. Beware of my jets as I move in. I understand. Range closing. 700 yards. And we still can't see him. Captain Britton. Yes, you heard Commander Neeson's warning about the jets. When he comes alongside, the blast could sweep you away. Wait for instructions before you jump aboard. Right. We'll lie flat. Don't you get Mac? You too, Hickey. Okay. The ship won't last long now. See how the sand's creeping up on us? Yes. The rescue party's just about made it in time. Bob, I can see something moving through the dust. They're uh, here. Oh, thank goodness for that. Crom, I... I never thought I'd be pleased to see any friends of yours. I certainly am now. Quiet. Hello, Unity Leader. I am about to come alongside. I shall cut the lifting jets for five seconds. Understood. Britain, McClelland, Hicks. During that five seconds, you may jump onto the hover car. If you miss your footing, you will be lost. The jets must restart immediately, or the machine will be trapped in the sand. Okay, I'll get it. Fair enough. Here she comes, the Grace Darling. Looking more like a flying saucer than a blooming lifeboat. I keep down. I can feel the blast. She's coming alongside. Hello? Hello? Stand by to jump aboard. I am cutting the jets now. Right. Jump. Here we come. Entering a canyon which leads into the Unity Crater. 
and our moon headquarters. And just look at those cliffs on either side of us. They must go up a couple of thousand feet. And although the sun's shining on the tops of them, it would be pitch dark down here without the searchlight in front of the hover car. I wouldn't like to be lost around these parts. Neither would I. We're coming out into the crater. Gosh, it's enormous. Stretches as far as you can see. Actually, it is comparatively small. But distances are deceptive because of the sharp curvature of the moon's surface. We are now turning and following the line of the cliffs. I say, Bob. Yes, Hickey. If you look back across the crater, you, you just get a glimpse of the tip of the earth. It's right down on the horizon. Yes. Earth set. That is as much as we ever see of it here because we are in the libration area on the rim of the moon. From other locations, the Earth appears to be some 12 times the size of the moon as you see it from home. Ah, that's a lot more attractive than this countryside. Give me the highlands any day. Yes. This is a dead world. Mountains, craters, and dust. How long have you been here, Neeson? I have been in charge of the moon base for almost a year. Aren't you fed up with it? No. I live for my work. How many people have you got on your staff here, Kramer? Not enough. That is why we are always ready to welcome new workers. Ah, I see. Our base is built inside that cliff wall there, now directly in front of us. The square opening at the foot leads to the airlock. Ah, there's not much to see from here. Wait till you're inside. Is this where we stop? Yes. We enter the lock on foot. Step out and follow me. <laughs> Talk about being as light as a feather. How'd you like to play a game of lunar cricket, Bob? You could throw the ball miles. It'd certainly be interesting. You will enter the airlock, please. Come on, in we go, Hickey. When our pioneers arrived here, this, of course, was an open entrance to the cave system, which has become our headquarters. What's the composition of the air that's being pumped in? Normal, except that we substitute helium for nitrogen. As you know, it is less ready to gasify the blood under sudden decompression. Right. How much oxygen do you allow each man for a day? I aim at three and a half pounds, but we recover about 80% from exhaled carbon dioxide. Pressure normal. The inner hatch is opening. You may now dispense with your helmets. The air smells good. Yes, it is. And by the way, the sound you can hear is the solar generating plant. I see. And now, Captain Britton, since we arrived here on the moon, you have all behaved sensibly. You appear to understand your position. You are utterly dependent upon unity for your continued existence. Even the air which you are breathing is supplied by us. Escape is impossible. I therefore expect your cooperation. All right. We'll accept orders within reason. But we still owe our allegiance to CSP. Is that clear? Perfectly. Do I understand, Mac? Yes, Rob. You too, Hickey? Aye, aye, sir. Good. Good. I'm glad we understand one another. And now you may be interested to see something of our work. Uh, come with me. I will realize that everything here is on a reduced scale. But first, we'll look into the control room. Hello, sir. Hello, Letman. Glad to see you, sir. Thank you. Anything to report? 
Yes, Commander Gelbin is prepared to take off from the Earth headquarters with a relief ship. He is waiting for your instructions. I will speak to him later. Yes, sir. As you see, Britain, we have everything here which is necessary to the handling of our ships. Visual monitors, radio control, beam approach, interference transmitter, and so on. Come with me. Well, it's uh, quite a setup. Yes, it is, isn't it? I want you to see what we have achieved on our comparatively slender resources. You will realize that when we have formed the world government, there will be no limit to our scientific progress. What's that I can hear? Drilling operations. We are opening up a new gallery. Now, this is the air conditioning room. I'm sure it will interest you as future orbiter ex-officers. The pumps are extracting stale air from the headquarters and circulating it through cooling pipes. First, the water content is frozen out and separated, then the carbon dioxide. So we are left with clean oxygen and helium, which are returned for use. Yes, and you're getting oxygen from the chlorella plants in the illuminated water tanks. Yes, but the main object is to harvest the plants themselves and process them for food. When the sun is in a suitable position, they are exposed to its light by opening the shutters. What on earth is this? What's happened? Stay here. We'll soon know. Explosion in the drilling tunnel, sir. There are five men trapped in there. Now, what could have caused this? Probably an escape of gas. You said that the moon was a dead world, but that is not entirely correct. When you dig below the surface. Has anything like this happened before? Yes, once. Were there any survivors? No. And it is unlikely that there are any now. But you'll organize a rescue party. We shall see. Dr. Kramer, I have just looked through the airlock. The tunnel is completely blocked. I'm afraid the men are trapped. Their position is hopeless. There's nothing we can do. Get back to your post. Kramer, aren't you going to try and help those men? They are almost certainly beyond our help. And I'm not prepared to risk more lives. Our numbers are too small. But you just can't leave them. It's no concern of yours. I swear you're wrong. Some of the victims might still be alive. Hmm. Yes, I wonder. You would like to help them, hmm? Yes. Whether they're unitists or not, they're human beings. Very well. I have endeavored to meet you on all points. You shall be the rescue party. All right. I should not like to be thought inhuman. Neeson, take Captain Britton and his friends down to the tunnel. See them safely through the airlock. say it seems pretty hopeless, Bob. The tunnel's blocked good and proper. Yes, it certainly is. It's not going to be easy working in spacesuits. There's no help for it, I'm afraid. The pressure's almost down to nothing. There must be an air leak through to the outside surface. Yeah, that's why they've installed the airlock here. Safety precaution. Exactly. Kramer's too wily to be caught by explosive decompression. Without that lock... The whole HQ would have been vacuumized. All right, chaps, start working. Hello. I found a small gap in the debris here. Where am I? If we can open it up, we might be able to squeeze through. There could be somebody on the other side. 
Mein Gott. There he goes. It's fine. Let me shine my torch through. Uh, what can you see? I can see that the tunnel continues on the other side of this fall. That's about all. Hello. Somebody's coming through the lock. They're keeping an eye on us, I suppose. Hello, Captain Brayton. Yes, what is it? Dr. Kramer wishes to see you in the control room. Oh, what for? I cannot say. My instructions are to take you there immediately. All right. Carry on, boys, but don't kill yourselves. I better see what this is all about. Ah, Britain. How is your rescue work proceeding? Oh, you've hardly started yet. But you didn't bring me here to ask me that, did you? No. I want you to tell me what you know about certain activities at Woomera. Well, what are you getting at? Neeson, stand away from the monitor screen. Now, Captain Britton, what do you see? No. Ah, you recognize it. Why, well, it's obvious what it is. Yes. A moon probe. Our Earth headquarters inform us that it was launched from Woomera, and according to our calculations, it should reach this area in another six hours precisely. So what? Tell me, will it land or will it go into orbit and then return to the Earth? I don't know. Don't fence with me, Britain. As a senior pilot, you know perfectly well what this projectile is designed to do. Well, it could land or it could orbit, you know that. Quite. But assuming that it does land, which seems most probable... Judging by the design, what is its program of operations? Oh, I ask me. You'll probably find out for yourselves. We certainly shall. Because we intend to recover the projectile and bring it back here by hover car in sections if necessary. Uh, and incidentally, the hover car can be perfectly screened from observers on the Earth. I was wondering about that. And with the projectile safely in our workshops... You, with your expert knowledge, can help us to dismantle it completely. We shall see. I shall tolerate no nonsense. Machines such as this provide us with a valuable source of materials and components. But how do you hope to find the thing when it lands? It is transmitting a most convenient signal, which will doubtless be familiar to you. Netman, turn up sound. Yes, sir. Now, listen. Our hover car simply homes on that after the landing. Yes, but your interference transmitter isn't working yet. When you switch it on, surely it'll swamp these signals? No. We shall still be able to pick them up at short range. All right, Batman. You can cut sound. You seem to have everything worked out nicely. I think we have. Now go back to your good work. Now, there's just one more point. Well? For the sake of your friends, I hope you will help us. What do you mean? Think it over. All right, Letman. Take Captain Britton back to the tunnel. Yes, sir. This way, Captain Britton. So that's the position, chaps. And I hate the idea of Kramer getting hold of the moon probe. It's rather a nice piece of machinery. It's still classified. I don't think... Uh... Hickey knows very much about it, Bob. No, I don't, as a matter of fact. Well, Hickey, the, the idea is the rocket carries a small tractor. Huh? After the landing, the tractor comes out and travels around on the surface of the moon for about 12 hours. I see. It carries film and television cameras, 
It picks up samples of soil and rock. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, instruments record cosmic radiation, temperatures, ultraviolet and so on. Well, I did hear a whisper that it was in production, but isn't it steered from the earth through the television link? Yes, but if that breaks down, it feels its way along and avoids obstructions and very soft ground. And then, Hickey, when it's done its job, it toddles back to the pen ship, the action of it going aboard triggers off the rocket... And the whole issue returns to the earth. Oh, do you think it'll work? I was sure it would, if Kramer didn't fool around with it. I saw the thing under construction, and it's a masterpiece of oh, engineering. It certainly is. And it's got tremendous possibilities, because without the tractor, the rocket could take a cabin big enough to carry two or three men. Yes. Say that again, Mac. And George, yes. It could carry us. Back to the earth. Are you serious, Mac? I was never more serious in my life. I can't believe it. This is our answer. It's our only chance. But how do we get out of here? We can't go back. I'll show you. Follow me. We've got a surprise for you. I haven't had a chance to tell you about this yet. We've opened the gap in this stuff. You can see through it. Look. I don't see a thing. Over to the right, sir. Ah, daylight. Yes, it's a crack in the wall. It must go straight through the cliffs. And if we widen it up, we can get through into the open. My golly, a break at last. We'd be quite close to the spot where they parked the hover car. That's right. And all we got to do is to grab it and get going. I know how it works. I watched Neeson pretty closely when he was bringing us here. Yeah, hold your horses, chaps. Now, let's think. The moon probe isn't pressurized. Ah, we'd have to rely on our spacesuits. What about oxygen? Oh, there's cylinders of the stuff on the hover car. Yes, that's true. We could take some with us. But can we stand the takeoff acceleration of the rocket, Mac? Ah, sure. It's far less than we're used to in takeoffs from Woomera. We might be a bit uncomfortable when we get into the Earth's atmosphere, but the rocket has a good cooling system. Protect the gear. <laughs> that sounds like a piece of cake. And don't talk too soon, Hickey. We've got to stay here in the tunnel until just before the probe lands. During that time, we must take it in turns to give the unitists progress reports. We know the poor devils who are trapped here are finished, but as far as Kramer and Neeson are concerned, we haven't given up hope. Okay, Bob. Within the next five hours or so, we've got to hack our way through that wall. Once outside, we sprint over to the hover car and drive off. Hell for leather. And as there's only one hover car, the unitists can't follow us. No. Once we're aboard, we're halfway home. Bearing TK seven HX five four. It's well inside the moon's gravity pool now, Sir Charles. Still no interference. No. How does that fit into your theories? It doesn't yet, but I'm certain that we shall lose the picture on the monitors. The interference is bound to begin any moment now. In the meantime, the probe's sending us some magnificent TV pictures of the moon's surface. Just look at the great ray crater of Tycho. Do you see how the walls rise in terraces? It's almost dazzling. Sir Charles, look at the picture. Yes, I'm looking. You see those ripples creeping across it? Yes. It's the same interference pattern we've seen before. Now, sound gone, vision going. So you were right, Kent. Yes. 
The interference is being generated. It must be the work of somebody or something. But what's at the back of it? I don't know. But I won't rest until I find the answer. Neeson, I want to know where the projectile will land. Give me the information quickly. Right, Dr. Kramer. I am feeding the details into the computer now. The CSP people seem to have produced a rather successful machine. It's behaved very well. I shall be most interested to see what they put into it. According to our calculations, if it holds to its present course, it will land very close to us. Where? About 40 miles to the north. Almost on the fringe of Argentin. I wonder why. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Oh, Letman, have you checked the interference transmitter? Yes, sir. It is quite in order. Dr. Klummer! What is it? I am looking at the time figures. The projectile is slightly ahead of schedule. How far ahead? Approximately 15 minutes. Very well. Go and prepare the hover car. I'll join you shortly. Then we can set out towards the predicted landing zone before our Woomera visitor arrives. Uh, this is a tougher job than we thought. Yes. Keep going, Hickey. We're almost through. We should see the hover car as soon as we get this last bit of rock out of the way. The trouble is, the sweat keeps running into my eyes. Okay, Mac, I'll take over. Oh, thanks, old boy. We must remember to localize our intercom before we go out. We're screened while we're in here. But we don't want the, to broadcast our conversation when we get outside. Okay, Mac. Yes, Mac. How's the time going? The projectile's due to land in about half an hour. Uh, uh, and your hits. Uh, 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 nice work, Bob. Last barrier's down. Right. Out we go. Straight for the hover car. Watch your cables. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm coming. Hold it. Oh, no. What is it? The hover car. It's taking off. We're too late. Kram has beaten us to it. Well, there must be something we can do. Yes, I think there is. But I shall have to move fast. What do you mean, Bob? I'm getting back through the tunnel, through the airlock, and up to the control room. We've got to get that hover car back here. And the only way to do it is to send Kramer an emergency message on the radio. Oh, what will you say? I don't know yet, Mac. But I, I think of something. Maybe I'll make the radio operator do the talking. Oh, suppose he refuses. Yeah. Remember I picked up a knife in the tunnel? I don't think he'll argue when he sees that. Uh, it's worth having a go. Let's get cracking. No, Hickey. You and Mac will stay in the tunnel entrance. If the plan works, you'll see the hover car come back pretty soon. Wait until Kramer gets out and goes back through the main airlock into the base. Then run like blazes. Get aboard the car, deal with the crew, and set off straight for the rocket. You know how to find it by steering on its radio bleeps. Wait a minute. What about you, Bob? I'll join you if I can. But if I don't show up by the time you're ready to start, don't wait. We're not leaving without you. No, not likely. You will if I'm not there. Now, listen, Bob. And that's an order. We've got to tell CSP about unity and nothing else matters. But, Bob... Don't argue. There's no time to lose. I've got to get through the tunnel and into the control room quickly. Hope to see you later. Okay. Good luck. Good luck to you, chaps. Thanks, Bob. We'll be watching for you.
Hello. This is Moon Control calling. MHQ to other car. Are you receiving me? Hello, MHQ. Yes, we are receiving. Dr. Kramer, this is radio operator Letman. I have just received a signal from Unity Earth headquarters. Commander Galbin has taken off aboard relief ship Unity 4 and will be landing here as arranged. Message understood. Thank you. That is all. No, not quite all, Letman. Britain, what are you doing here? Don't move. Keep your hand away from that transmission key. What do you want? I want Kramer brought back. Right away. But that's impossible. He's going to recover the woman of projectile as soon as it lands. Exactly. That's why I'm here. I don't understand. Now, listen. You're going to call him up again. You're going to tell him that you've just had another signal from your Earth headquarters. I can't do that. Tell him that you have an intelligence report saying that the Woomera moon probe is a trap. It's believed to be fitted with an atomic charge which is likely to explode as soon as he starts the recovery but work. he would Say that been... Captain Britain should know about this and could probably make the charge harmless. You will also tell him to return here at once for more information. Have you got that? You'd better talk to Dr. Kramer yourself. I shall have nothing to do with it. I think you will. Take that knife away from my throat. Are you going to talk or not? No. In that case, I... All right, I'll do it. Good. But be very careful what you say. Have you got the message straight? Yes, but I don't understand what you hope to achieve. Uh, Never mind. Press that transmission key and start talking. Hello? Moon control calling. MHQ to hover car. Come in, please. Urgent. Hello, MHQ. Hover car answering you. Dr. Kramer, I've just received an intelligence report about the woman of projectile. It is believed to be a trap. It has an atomic charge which may explode if you approach it. EHQ say that Captain Britain knows this and knows how the mechanism works. Yes, this is interesting. Earth headquarters ask if you will return to base as soon as possible for more information. Very well. I shall go into this most carefully. It confirms my suspicions. Your, Your suspicions? Yes. It seemed a strange coincidence that the probe should be landing so close to base. I shall be with you shortly, Letman. Very good, sir. Well done, Letman. Now perhaps you will tell me what you hope to get out of this. You shall see, all in good time. And while we're waiting, you'll cut the interference transmitter so that my friends in Woomera will be able to pick up the rocket on their monitors before it lands. You heard me, Letman. Ah, very well. That's better. You are free to speak to them on the radio, if you wish. (laughs) Thanks for the suggestion, Ledman, but I know what you're thinking. Kramer might intercept the transmission. No, I shall wait until he's safely back and halfway through the airlock. That, my friend, is when I shall call Woomera. Inky, listen... We're picking up the sound of engines on our helmet receivers. It must be the hover car coming back. Yes, you're right, Mac. Yes, look. There it is. So Bob's plan has worked. Yes, but where is he? He should be back with us now. What should we do if he doesn't show up? He's given us our orders. We carry them out. Yes, I suppose we must. Uh, 
a hover car stopping outside the entrance to Moon HQ. Yes, so I see. Keep down. Uh, Kramer's getting out. Uh, so is his station commander. What's his name? Uh, Neeson. That's right. And the rest of the crew's following. Yes. We're in luck. Uh, all going into the airlock. Do you think we can get the hover car moving as soon as we get aboard? Yes, sir. I watched exactly what Neeson did with the controls when he brought us here. I think I've got them taped, all right. Good. I think I have to. Now, you all set. Yes. I hate going ahead without Bob, but there's no alternative. Come on. Run for it, right? Hello, hello. This is Captain Britain calling CSP Woomera. Captain Britain calling CSP Woomera. I'm speaking from a base 40 miles south of Wagentin in the third quadrant of the moon. Kramer's arrived back. You are too late. Get away, Ledman. This is urgent. There is nothing wrong with the CSP ships. We were attacked by a hostile force called Unity, which is planning to take over Orbiter X as a preliminary to world conquest. You must take action right away. All right. Leave him to me. I can't say any more. That stopped him. Letman, did you cut the transmitter? No, but it's all right. The power was turned down. Huh. Trying to talk to CSP, was he? He was, but he will not have been heard, Dr. Neeson. Where are McClellan and Hicks? I haven't seen them. But what has been happening? Britain came in just after I sent you the signal about Commander Gelbin. He had a knife and... So he was here when you sent the second signal, the warning about the projectile? Yes. Why did he let you send it? Answer me. He made me. What do you mean he made you? Speak up. He forced me to send it. I I thought it might be genuine. Had you any reason to doubt it? You got the warning from EHQ Intelligence? Oh, did you, Letman? No, I did not. What? Britain gave it to me. So, it was a trick. Yes, a trick. And you knew it, Letman. He had a knife at my throat. You're under arrest. Take him away. No, let me explain. I believe you were in Get him out of my sight. I shall deal with him later. Hammer, the interference transmitter has been turned off. Turn it on quickly. And turn up the monitors. Right. What's that on the screen? Hmm. Why, it's... It's the hover car. It's moving away. I don't understand. I think I do. Hello, hello. This is MHQ calling hover car. Answer me immediately. They're not speaking. Who? Who is aboard? Britain can answer that. Give him a shot of restorative. My jet pistol has only knocked him out. He's not seriously hurt. Right. He has succeeded in making idiots of us all. I still don't follow. It is obvious that he and his friends found a way out of the tunnel. They hope to reach the hover car and meet the Boomer projectile when it lands. We left before they could reach it, so Britain used Littman to call us back. So McClellan and Hicks are aboard. Exactly. And look at the screen. They are steering straight for the Wargentin landing area. Uh, the restorative is beginning to work. Good. Uh, Britain. Uh, Britain. Uh, Rouse yourself. Open your eyes. Now listen to me. You are going to the radio, and you are going to speak to McLellan and Hicks. What? 
Now I'm going to do the dictating. I have a message for you to broadcast to the friends who are trying to leave you behind. You mean they've got away? Oh, it's wonderful. Don't be too sure. I congratulate you on your enterprise, but you cannot match yourself against me, not even when you have the assistance of one of my own staff. But you have overlooked two points. Oh, what is that? First, I can stop your friends at any moment I choose. Huh? How? I will explain in a moment. The second point is that Letman did have the wit to turn down the power of the main transmitter. So you will not have been heard at CSP headquarters. It was a good effort, Captain Britton, but not quite good enough. station at Alice Springs should be coming through to us any moment now, Colonel. Oh, good. What exactly was it they said to you? Well, it was a junior engineer who came on the phone. All he said was he'd been playing around with a radio lash-up he'd built himself, and suddenly he picked up some RT. The signal was very weak, but when he heard CSP mentioned, he straightway flicked on the switch of his tape recorder. That was at uh, 1705. Smart boy. And you've arranged to have the tape played down to us over the radio telephone link. That's right. Uh, it only runs for a few seconds. There's probably nothing in it, but I thought we'd play safe. Of course. It's a tragedy that we should have lost touch with the moon probe, just when it seemed to be more or less in the clear. Yes. Uh, I've checked up on the atmospheric conditions, sir, and the funny thing is that there's no evidence of any unusual sunspot activity and nothing really to account for the loss of reception. So my theory becomes more and more logical. I think it does. Yes. And if there is an intelligent agent working against us... Seems reasonable that he should screen his activities behind this interference. Hello, CSP control here. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, I'll switch it on. Alice Springs, sir. They're playing the tape over to us on channel seven. Oh, good. Hello, monitor. Yeah, we're getting you okay. You can start the tape whenever you like. Okay. So long. Turn on the recorder and we'll take it down ourselves. You never know, it might be interesting. Right, sir. Here we go. Wrong with the CSP ships. A hostile unity. Take over Orbiter X as a preliminary... Do you recognize the voice, Brown? I wouldn't like to say, but it could have been Captain Britton. That's exactly what I thought. Ah, it looks as if that's all we're going to get, sir. Ask if they got any direction on the signal. Right. Hello, Alice Springs. Is that the lot? I see. Tell me, did your bloke get any DF on that? Huh? Well, did he hear anything else before he started recording? Just the words calling CSP. I see. Okay, then. Thank you. It couldn't have been Bob. Must have been some radio ham talking about the project. I wonder. What was the position of Bob's derelict ship when that signal was picked up? Oh, I can soon tell you that, sir. Here's the orbit chart here and the timings. Well, look here. This is Orbiter 2's course. Yes, and at 1705, it would have been passing over us. That's right. It was more or less between us and the moon. 
But you don't think the signal came from Orbiter 2, do you? No, there can't be anybody left alive in the ship. Strange things do happen. Listen, I want to speak to the engineer who monitored that signal. I want to know everything about it, but everything. Right, sir. And I shall play the tape over to the minister. If Bob is still alive, I shall do everything in my power to help him, even if I have to take off a ship myself, with or without permission. <laughs> You seem to have got the hang of the controls, okay? Yes, they're dead simple. The main thing is to keep the hover car just the right distance above the ground. Four or five feet seems to be about the best. Oh. I wish I knew just how the lifting jets work. Well, they work on ionic drive. That's all we need to know, I suppose. Yeah. Come to your left a bit. Keep on the signals. What's the probe doing now? Uh, retro jets are firing. Yeah. There's no reason why it shouldn't make a safe landing. Do you think we were right to leave Bob behind? Yes, laddie. We were quite right. You know, when he left us, I think he knew he wouldn't be able to join us again. I don't be too depressed. And Bob's a tough customer. He knows how to look after himself. Yes, but now it's him against the rest. I wonder what's happening back there in MHQ. And it's certainly strange we haven't heard from any of them. I'll turn up the radio again. What's that? I've got it. Listen. This is MHQ calling Hovercar. Are you receiving me? What do we do about it, Mick? I'm going to answer. We must know what's happened. They should hear me now if I press the transmission key. Hello, MHQ. We are now receiving you. Captain McClellan, you will return to base immediately. You do nothing of the sort, Mick. Bob. Hello, Bob. Are you all right? I'm Hello. Hello. McClelland, your position is hopeless. We know your intentions and you cannot get away. If you attempt to take off in the projectile, we shall launch missiles against you. If you return to base now, we promise you there will be no reprisals. We shall carry on. Do you agree, Hickey? Yes, we'll take our chance. All right. You can ease up a bit. All right. Look, where's the projectile? It's coming down straight ahead of us. Look, you can see it through the windows now. Yeah, just like a falling star. Oh, it's making a perfect landing. It's touching down on hard ground. You can tell that because there isn't much dust being stirred up. How far away would you say it is? Mm, two or three miles. All oh, right, then I'd better slow down a bit more. Oh, you're, you're still clocking around at 60 miles. Yeah, it's okay. I know how to brake with the jets. Oh, I hope you do. Icky. Is that the hatch beginning to move? Yes, it's opening out like a miniature drawbridge. All ready for the tractor to run down. Everything working beautifully, eh? Yeah. The tractor's coming out now. There it is. Yeah. It's difficult to believe it's all automatic, oh, isn't it? Wonderful piece of machinery. You can actually see the cameras panning around on top of the tractor. Yes. You know, and the one in the middle uses microfilm. Uh-huh. It's supposed to go on working for 12 hours and... Until the tractor goes back into the ship and the whole bag of tricks takes off and returns to the air. Yeah, but we'll be going instead of the tractor. We hope. Well, I'm going to start braking, Mac. Okay. Draw up as close to the projectile as you can, but for heaven's sake, don't ram it. After we've stopped, I'll turn on the intercom again 
And we'll try and have a quick word with Bob. Well, Captain Britton, I'm giving you your last chance to order your men back. Their lives are in your hands. The decision is yours. I'll let you have it in due course. If you wait too long, we shall launch the first missile. Neeson, is the interference transmitter working correctly? Yes, all is well. Good. It'll be safe, then, to call up McClellan and Hicks. I wish to speak to them. Right. Hello? This is MHQ calling Hovercar. MHQ calling. Are you receiving? Yes, we are receiving you. I'll take over. Captain McClellan, you've been warned that you are in serious danger. I'm holding my fire only because I wish to avoid unnecessary waste of life and valuable materials. Nevertheless, if you continue to ignore my warning, I shall be compelled to take action. You understand? Yes, we understand. I have told Captain Britton that the final decision rests with him. He seems reluctant to talk, but I shall now tell him to give you your official instructions. Pass to you, Britton. Right. Hello, Mac. Hello, Hickey. Hello, Bob. Bob, what's been going on? I'm afraid I haven't made much success of things at this end, but you've done your job wonderfully well. Congratulations. I see on the scanner here that you've stopped the harbor car alongside the projectile. And it only remains for you to put oxygen aboard and take off. That's the idea. But I know these people mean business. They'll certainly launch missiles against you. Yes, we would take that risk, Bob. They will probably fire just after you take off. You'll be a difficult target. And if the first missile doesn't stop you, you may get away. Now, it's up to me to tell you whether or not to go ahead. You don't have to say any more, Bob. Leave it to that. Okay, Mac. Good luck to you both. This unity organization has got to be broken. That's you know what to do. Right enough. God, keep Captain Britton well away from the instrument panels. Watch that he doesn't try any tricks. And Neeson, you will line up the first missile. Very good. But do not fire until I give you the word. <laughs> Full oxygen cylinders in the back of the harbor car, Mac. I reckon we'd better take both of them. Yes, we should be able to lift them all right. Yes, they don't weigh much in moon gravity. Oh, you're right. right. Well, we'll take one each and get straight aboard the probe. Up the ramp, laddie. That's your stuff. In you go. We shall have to use our torches inside because there are no luxuries like lighting. Dump the cylinders down in the clamps that hold the tractor. Okay. Well, what do you think of your new home? It reminds me of the engine room in my last ship. Except this is vertical, that was usually horizontal. Ah, you'll find this is safer than those atomic subs of yours, Chief. Safer, eh? I suppose it might be all right if Kramer wasn't lining up his missiles for the Big Bang. I better not think about that. Oh, well, I'm not worried. Not much, anyway. I bet he misses. Sure he will. Now, look, there aren't any seats in this machine, but I've got a couple of rubber mattresses here from the hover car. They'll help us on takeoff. Right, fine. 
And we can strap ourselves down to those rings in the deck. Sure. There's no way we could control the jets at the moment, I suppose. No, I'm afraid not. After takeoff, the automatic pilot will lock onto woman. And 300 miles above the earth, it should turn the ship into orbit. It should start losing altitude until we reach about 200 miles. Uh, that's when a tender will come out to collect the films and instruments. Whoever comes aboard is going to have a terrible shock. And he finds he's got us instead of the tractors and his <laughs> instruments. <laughs> and now, shall we get ready for the big moment? Yes, okay. And to close the hatch, all I have to do is to trigger off the compressors and move this lever. Here. Which I suppose is normally operated by the tractor as it comes back. Here it goes. Yes, the hatch is closing. And better strap ourselves down. All right. Ah, compressors are working. So it won't be long now. Are you all right? Yes. What do you say the thrust would be for the takeoff? Uh, about five or six G, I think. Not too bad. Oh, uh, we can take that all right. Catch fire. It's up to the CSP designers now. If they've done their job, we should start lifting. Yes, here we go. Get away! All right, by the feel of it. Yes, sir. It's a perfect takeoff. This is where we start counting the seconds. Yes, sir. Expect the unit is watching us on their screens. If we can survive the next minute or so. We might be all set for home. Yes, home. And just a few seconds can make all the difference. I feel I want to start counting. Oh. Well, we didn't have to wait long for missile number one. No, it's oh, nearly on target. Jets sound okay still, don't they, Mac? Yes, they do. Uh, Mac, what's the matter? I've just... Suddenly I had a nasty thought. If I'm right, we're in real trouble. What is it, Mac? That explosion may have shifted us off course. Yes, you're right. But we can't check the course anyway, not without instruments. No. But if there's been any terrific change, we might see it if we look down at the surface of the moon. Now, that means opening the hatch. Okay, open it up. Here we go. Just unfastening my straps. What can you see? I don't, don't tell me we've turned into orbit. Mac, what's happening? I'm afraid you're in for a shock, Hickey, old son. We haven't turned into orbit. It's worse than that. You mean we're not heading for Earth? No. Well, where are we heading for? As far as I can judge, we're heading straight out towards infinity. Eh? What do you mean? Well, come and see for yourself. Oh, don't worry, I'm coming. Do you recognize the surface of the moon underneath us? No, it looks different. It is. We're looking down at the side that's always turned away from the Earth. Ah, so that's it. Yeah. We don't need instruments to tell us we're traveling the opposite way from home. Hello? The port jets are cutting. That means we've passed escape velocity. So in a couple of seconds... We'll be in free flight. Yes. A flight that can last for eternity, eh? Shut up in a chunk of flying metal with no instruments, no controls, no pressurized cabin, and no means of 
getting out of these spacesuits ever again. Yeah. We've got to face up to the situation. It's pretty grim. How long do you think we can hold out? Uh, the oxygen cylinders that keep us going for three or four days. Well, we'll have nothing to worry about after that. No. We'll just be part of a very small planet, I suppose. I'm sorry you had to be in on this, Hickey. Why? Well, what do you mean? You've got a wife and a couple of kids. I've got no responsibilities. I reckon I've behaved as if I hadn't either, Mac. I wouldn't say that. Well, if I'd stayed in the Navy, I might have had a nice little shore job by now. Not too bad with the chief petty officer's pay and allowances these days, but now I went and transferred to this lock. And why? And why did you do it? Same reason you and Bob transferred from the Air Force, I suppose. It's a sort of a challenge. I was always a sucker for anything like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at me. I'm talking as if we'd got one foot in the grave already. Now we'd better snap out of it. I reckon I'll have a look at the engines. Can't do any harm, and you never know. I might hit on something useful. Good idea. I'll join you. Give us something to do. I don't suppose we'll be having any more interruptions, eh? No, I should think that man Kramer and his stooge, what's his name? Neeson. They'll have written us off by now. I expect they're enjoying themselves, watching us on the scanner down there in their moon headquarters. Yeah, and if I know anything about those blighters, they'll make sure that Bob's watching too. The poor chap must be having a pretty bad time. Yes, I bet he is. And he's on his own now. One man against unity. Looking upset, Captain Britton. Does that surprise you? Yes. I expected you to show better self-control. Remember, you have only yourself to blame for the present situation. Hello? This is ship Unity 5 calling MHQ. Unity 5 bound from Earth to Moon headquarters. Are you receiving me? That's Gilbin. You speak to him, Neeson. Of course. Hello, Unity 5? This is MHQ answering you. The damaged projectile is now visible on my screen. Bearing QZ54TK7. Range 15,000. Its engines are stopped and its line of flight is steady. Good. Neeson, tell him to maintain his present course. I shall expect him to land here at 2159. Very good. Hello. MHQ to Unity 5. Yes, I am listening. You will hold to your course and touch down at 2159. There will be no deviation. Message understood. That is all. No, hold on. That ship could be diverted. It could intercept the projectile. For what purpose? Explain yourself. You know perfectly well what I'm driving at. No. In the matter of mind reading, you have the advantage, Britain. All right. Unity 5 could change course now, and by increasing its speed, it could meet the projectile at a point which, well, it can be worked out right away on the computer. But the projectile has ceased to be important. What sort of man are you? McKellen and Hicks must be taken off before it's too late. Gelbin is in a position to do that. This is the only chance we shall have. We? Are you now associating yourself with Unity? For the purpose of the rescue, yes, I am. That is not enough. You mean you're 
Do nothing to help those men out there? Really, Captain Britain, you are too naive. What possible reason could I have for bringing back people who threaten the security of my organization? Where is the advantage to me? There is none. All right. What's your price? For the survival of your friends? Yes. So you wish to bargain? Yes, Kramer, I know what you want. I'll give you all the information you need to assemble Orbiter X. If you will bring McClellan and Hicks back here alive and well. I welcome your new approach, but I should need more than mere information. What do you mean? I should require your active assistance in the assembly work. I should also require your solemn pledge to carry it out to the best of your ability. I give you my word on that. Are you quite sure? Yes. Very well. Neeson, turn the trackers onto the projectile. Yes, Dr. Kramer. There you see its course up to date. And the predicted course. Yes. Interception is still possible. Call Unity 5. Right, Dr. Kramer. Tell Gilvin to stand by for instructions. I shall work out his navigation details myself. Yes? Uh, Sir Charles Day, the Minister of Astronautics, is here, sir. Oh, Sir Charles. Do come in. Oh, thank you. Well, Kent, I flew up from Canberra as soon as I could after I got your telephone call. That's very good of you. Uh, do sit down. Uh, can I get you something to drink? Uh, Scott? Oh, thank you. Good. Thanks. Thanks. I'm most interested to hear the recording of the radio signal you were telling me about. Ah, yes. Well, I've got it here on tape. Before you listen to it, I'd like you to look at this picture. It's just been radioed through from our Canadian observatory at Fort Churchill. Another photograph of the moon? Yes. As you see, it shows the third quadrant in fair detail. You'll recognize the Wagenton area. Yes, of course. That's where our projectile should have landed. Quite so. And it's the area where the UFO was spotted sometime previously. Exactly. Now, naturally, we can't expect to see any strange objects on a telescope picture like this. No. But our Canadian colleague sent it straight through to Woomera... Because I thought they would be interested in the spot of light which you can see, uh, just off the moon's rim above Wagentian. Yes. What is it? Well, it must be an explosion. Explosion? Fantastic as it sounds, I believe that the projectile has been deliberately destroyed by some intelligence agent. Mm. Remember, it was bringing us back film. And whoever this agent is, he had to make sure that it never reached us. Uh, mm. well, we shall have to go into this very carefully. I think we should. And, uh, and now, shall I play the recording I mentioned to you? Ah, yes, this this extraordinary message that was picked up at Alice Spring. Yes, well, it's very short. Uh, here it is. Wrong with the CSB ships. A hostile unity. Take over Orbiter X as a preliminary... Is that all? Yes. Do you recognize the voice? Well, it was very distorted, but it seemed to me that it could have been Captain Britain speaking. Well, of course, now now you're opening up a completely new line of thought. As far as we know, Britain and his crew died in their ship, Orbiter 2, which is still circling around the Earth. Yes, I realize it sounds fantastic, but it's significant that at the moment when this message was transmitted... Orbiter 2 was traveling directly over us. 
I've marked its position here on the astral chart. I see. I agree that the message doesn't make much sense as it stands. But I've tried filling in the blanks by putting in the sort of words that would fit the context. May I read you the result? Do, by all means. Right. I think the message could read, There is nothing wrong with the CSP ships. Uh A hostile power called Unity is planning to take over Orbiter X as preliminary uh, to, uh, well, attack on the Commonwealth. Mm. Invasion, it's impossible to say. I take it you've spoken to the communications department about this message? Yes, well, they say that technically it's quite possible that it did come from Britain's ship. Well, while we're in the realm of possibilities, we might as well go the whole hog. Looking at this chart, I notice that at the time when our mysterious message was transmitted, the Earth, the ship, and the moon were in a straight line with one another. Yes. You suggest that the message was transmitted from the ship. But surely, from the technical point of view, it might equally well have been transmitted from the moon. Oh. And that, my dear Kent, might have some bearing on the explosion picture and the fate of the projectile. doubt about it, Mac. Everything comes back to the automatic pilot inside this pressurized box. This is the joker that controls everything. Jets, stabilizers, inverters, the lot. And the trouble is, if we break the seals and try to fiddle with it, we wreck the thing anyway. Yes. Can only work under pressure. We must think of something else. Mac, What's wrong? I'm okay, Hickey. No, you're not. Don't worry about me. There's nothing you can do. What do you mean? What's happened to you? It's my breathing apparatus. I'll be all right if I stop moving about. Hold on. I'll I'll give you a new oxygen cylinder. One I've got's okay. I checked it a few minutes ago. Well, then, for Pete's sake, what's the trouble? I think I'm rebreathing too much... Carbon dioxide. Must be something wrong with the extract. Can't do anything about it while we're in vacuum. <laughs> Means opening the suit. Oh, take it easy, Mac. Oh, I feel so dopey. I'm trying to keep awake. There's a noise in my ears. It's coming through the intercom. I can hear it too. And I'm not imagining. Them. No. It sounds almost like a carrier wave. Listen. Can you hear a voice? Yes, I can. What does it mean? It must be a freak reception from the Earth. Or it could be from the unity transmitter on the moon. Yeah, I wonder. Hello, FHQ. Listen. This is Unity 5 calling FHQ. Are you receiving me? Am I dreaming? No, you're not. Now, keep still. I'm going to open the hatch. Mac. You must come over here and look. Why? I'll give you a hand. Just tell me I'm not imagining things now. I know the sort of crazy ideas you can get in space, but we can't both have the same illusion. Can you see a ship out there? 
by all this wonderful. Yes, I can. And it's coming alongside. Hello, MHQ. I can now see them. They have opened the hatch and I am closing in. It's Kelvin. Hello, Captain McClelland. Can you hear me? Yes. We're listening. Have you got jet pistols to guide yourselves across to my ship? No. We haven't. In that case, I will come immediately alongside you. I don't get it. Why is he doing this? First they try to blow us to bit. Now they're risking a collision to pick us up. Look out. Here he comes. The outer hatch of my airlock is open. When it is level with you, jump aboard quickly. You understand? Yes. We understand. I reckon this is a case of Hobson's choice, Hickey. I hope I can make it. Yes. You'll make it all right. Now then, are you all set? All set. It's all right. I've got you. It shouldn't be difficult. It's only about ten feet between the hulls. We can't go wrong. And we can't fall. Right. Now, push off and over we go. Are you okay? Yes, just a moment. Good. You'll soon be breathing clear air again. Right now, into the lock. That's the stuff. Now I'm closing the outer hatch. You hear that, Mac? The air's coming in. Oh, good. I don't know what's behind all this or... Whether we shall land back on the Earth or the Moon. But the one thing that matters at the moment is we've got another lease of life. Hello, MHQ. Unity 5 calling MHQ... Hello, Unity 5. MHQ answering you. Mission completed. I have McClellan and Hicks on board and am approaching base. Good. Your course and rate of descent are correct. You will touch down on number one landing platform. Message understood. We are standing by. Listen, have you made the preparations for immediate refueling? Yes, Dr. Kramer. The ground staff have been told. Well, Captain Britton... We've kept our side of the bargain. Yes, and I shall keep mine. Now that you have observed our efficiency at first hand, I hope that you will cooperate with good spirit. You certainly are efficient, Kramer. Of course. Every member of Unity is a specialist in his own particular field. And as you know, all over the world we have experts sending us up-to-the-minute information of scientific developments. Our technical progress is therefore not surprising. But now I imagine that you will wish to satisfy yourself that McClellan and Hicks are safe and well. Yes, I'd like to see them. So you shall, after the refueling is complete. In the meantime, you should check your spacesuit. We're going outside? Yes, we are going aboard Unity 5 as soon as it lands. Oh, why? The Commonwealth Space Project has spent a great deal of time and money training you for a specific job. 
We shall now see how effectively you can put your training into practice. You mean we're to start assembling the space station right away? That is exactly what I mean. As soon as Gelbin's ship is refueled and ready for flight, we shall take off for Orbiter X. In other words, the people at Woomera are now going to have their work done for them. But perhaps not in a way that they will appreciate. Yes, I thought you'd be surprised to hear me talking about radio signals from the moon, Colonel Kent. But after all... We are living in an age when almost anything's possible. My dear Sir Charles, I couldn't agree with you more. The point is that as Minister of Astronautics, I've got to go very carefully. I'm always prepared to supply the Commonwealth governments with intelligent theories based on expert opinion. But we're not going to get any material backing until we produce hard and fast facts. I quite understand. Well, what have we got? The components of the space station were launched into orbit without undue difficulty. We didn't really run into trouble until Captain Bradley took off in his ship Orbiter 1, but we lost all contact with And him. it was the same story when Captain Britain tried to go to his relief in Orbiter 2. Quite. Uh, but he did succeed in getting one WT message through, warning us that there is a basic fault in the design of our ship. If you accept my construction of the latest message, you'll have to discard the first one as a trick. It may not have been sent by Britain at all. Perhaps not, but I'm trying to concentrate on the facts. Now, what have we got next? We had a reliable report that a UFO was sighted over the Wargentian area of the moon. Yes. And as a result, I agreed to the launching of the projectile. Again, we lost track of it because of interference, which blotted it out just before it landed in Wargentian. And now we have the pictures of an explosion over that very same area. There's no doubt something is going on up there. Yes, but unfortunately, we haven't got the means of landing a man on the moon and proving it. No, but give me permission to take off and examine Orbiter 2, and I might find the solution to some of our problems. Yeah. Our electronics people are working on the interference transmissions, aren't they? Yes, and at the same time, one group is developing a deflector system which could screen our own ships. How long will it be before they can start testing on the ground? Well, they say it might be any time now. And, of course, this is terribly important. If a hostile force really is working against us, those deflectors would help to change the entire situation. In fact, I'll make you a promise. Yes? They shall be fitted to a ship the moment they're ready for a test. You can travel aboard that ship and try them out in space. And if by any chance you should happen to find yourself alongside Orbiter 2, what is it, 1,200 miles above the surface of the Earth? Yes, well, uh, do I have to say any more? <laughs> no, thank you very much indeed. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have rather urgent business to hurry along in the electronics department. Approaching the space station components now. And I've pledged myself to work on them until the job's done. I'm more than grateful, Bob. Yes, me too. But what a price to pay for saving our skins. There's more to it than that. And don't worry. Just do as I say. 
Captain Griffin. Hello? We are about to turn into orbit. Will you please give your attention to the scanning screen? All right, I'm coming over, Gelvin. What's your altitude? We are 1,050 miles above the surface of the Earth. As you see, we are now passing over the northern ice cap. According to my calculations, the Orbiter X component should be visible on the screen. Yes, there. Look, they're coming up now. Ah. Now, I will start matching our speed to their orbital velocity. Get into your seats and fasten your belts. Before we come alongside, we shall require some preliminary information from you, Britain. Very well. I'm opening the retrojet. Stand by. You can stop talking, Britain. Well, you're now looking at the cluster of rockets which contain the components of the space station. Mm-hmm. As you see, each rocket has a large identity number painted on the hull. Yes. We should position ourselves as near as possible to number one. What is the importance of number one, Britain? Well, that's where the officer in charge of the assembly will make his headquarters. It contains the workshops and a large-scale plan of the complete station. We will start, then, by looking at the plan. And you can put us completely in the picture. One more burst and we shall be alongside. There. Good. Open the inner hatch of the airlock. Now you will cross over to the rocket button and bring the plan back to us here. Very well. Mac, Hickey, you better come with me. You can start setting up the workshop here. Okay. I am glad to see that you are now all willing to cooperate. I'll take my orders from Captain Britain. Of course. Britain, have any special provisions been made for radio communication between the workshop and the assembly crews when they start working on the other rockets? I know. We decided to rely on normal helmets intercom. Setting up the radio proper will be a major job. Can't be tackled until the station has been fitted together. Then how did you propose to keep in touch with CSP Woomera during the assembly period? Oh, by the transport ship's radio. We assumed that there'd always be plenty of our ships around. I see. Uh, Mac, is your breathing apparatus okay now? Yes, quite okay. Right. Close helmets. We'll get into the airlock. I'll be back shortly, Kramer. With the plan. Yes. Come on, here we go, chaps. Close the hatch on them, Gelbin. Well, we seem to have tamed them at last. Yes. There's no doubt that Britain will keep his word. And, of course, the others will carry out his instructions. Exactly. They will save us a great deal of time and effort on the construction work. And when it is completed, we shall be in a position to launch our attack. Good. And I think our first target will be Womera, just in case they should consider further launchings. Does it not seem to you that CSP have been suspiciously inactive? Strangled by what they call red tape. This is Earth Headquarters calling Unity 5. EHQ to Unity 5. Come in, please. Urgent. I will take it. Hello, EHQ, Unity 5, answering you. Dr. Kramer, I regret I have bad news. There is serious trouble at the interference transmitter. What has happened? Fire broke out in the main generating room, and it has spread to the transmitter hall. The fire squad are trying to get it under control, 
But screening transmissions may be cut at any moment. Impossible. How did it start? There must have been a fault in the power cables. The engineers are working on the emergency transmitter, but you are in danger of being picked up on the CSP tracking screen. You must return to Earth headquarters with all speed. I shall be back immediately. And tell the chief engineer I hold him responsible. He will answer to me personally. There can be no excuses. None at all. A situation like this could be disastrous. Yes, of course. And now we have to rely entirely on the ship's deflectors to screen us. I will recall Britain and his team right away. You will do nothing of the sort. He can do us no harm. But how long can they survive in space? We must think of our security. There is no time to lose. Start the compressors and open the jets. Britain and his friends must take a chance. Okay, Bob. What's Kramer playing at? I don't know. He must have had a heck of a shock to suddenly pull out like that. Maybe the CSP ships have been armed and they're coming up. Talk about it after we're safely inside this thing. You turn on your boot blankets. Yeah. It's mine, Ron, Bob. All right. But don't rely on them. Remember, we've no jet pistols to guide us back if we go adrift. Just follow the rail along to the hatch of the airlock. Okay, I can see it. Good, open it up. Should be normal pressure inside the house. Just about everything we need. Keep us going. It's fine. Here we go. That's my idea of sweet music. Yeah. Pressure gauge is rising. I have an idea that if Carmen doesn't come back too soon, he might think up a little surprise for us. We might at that. Okay. Pressure's normal. Open the inner hatch. Let's get these helmets off. Ah, it's a relief. Ah, The atmosphere's not too bad. Oh, no. We'd better get the air plant working right away. Yeah, and we need some light, too. Okay. Just stay where you are. I know where the generator switch is. Good man. Ah, that's the stuff. Now we can see what we're doing. Yes. You can start the air plant. Right, Bob. Well, everything seems to be working. Shall I open the covers of the observation ports, Bob? Yes, we shall have to keep a watch out for Kramer. He'll be back sooner or later. Uh, no sign of the blighters yet. And there aren't any of our ships around either. Well, I didn't think there would be. Uh, beats me why Crom and his stooge Galvin should buzz off and leave us like this. Well, they know we can't get in touch with Woomera. And they also know that these rockets weren't built to make the return tip to Earth. Yes, but why did they suddenly shear off like that? Well, they obviously had a sudden panic on their hands. Maybe their ship developed a fault. It could be trouble at their Earth headquarters or their moon base. Yeah. Whatever it was, they've left us to it. The moment Orbiter X was completed, it was up to us to see if they couldn't use it. But now, if they'll give us a little time, we might find a better way out. 
Anyway, try and relax for a couple of minutes. Let's see what our position is. I'll do a bit of thinking out aloud, mm, eh? Good idea. Right. We're more or less in the center of a cluster of 40 rockets which contain all the components of Orbiter X. Fortunately, we happen to have landed on the only one which can supply us with the essentials of life. Uh-huh. And there's a good food store up for it. And we've got oxygen, light, temperature control, and, of course, the workshop machinery. Yeah, bags of machinery, but what are we going to use it for? Well, we can assemble one of the space chariots to start with. All the parts are packed away in the stores, and it's fairly simple to take them out through the airlock and put them together. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bob. I only saw the chariot on the drawing board. What's it really like? Well, it's pretty good. It's so simple. It's just a skeleton framework, rather like an old-fashioned car chassis. It's got two small thrust jets on one end to make it go, and a couple of retros on the front to stop it. Yeah, and it, it was designed as a means of transport between the components of the space station. I see. You ride it, Hickey, rather like the Roman gladiators used to ride their chariots. Hence the name. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'd be much good at that sort of caper. In any case, where would it get us? I think I've got the answer. Yeah? And it might work. Well, come on, what is it? Bradley's old ship, Orbiter 1, and our ship, Orbiter 2, are still circling the Earth at more or less the same altitude we're at now. Yeah, but they're a couple of derelict wrecks. You think so? Well, of course. On Orbiter 2, the jet outlets are smashed, the starboard compressors had it, the cabin pressure's down to zero, yes, and... Yes, yes, I know all that, but look around you here. We've got all the facilities for carrying out repairs in space. And if you look in the stores... You'll find all the replacements we need to get our ship working again. Yes, you're right, Bob. Spare jets, compressors, tools, we've got the lot. And we can load them onto a chariot, fly them over to Orbiter 2. Yeah, that's a great idea, Bob. It may take a week to see the repairs through. But if we can get away from here before Kramer comes back, I never dream of looking for us aboard the old ship. No, he'll probably assume that we were either swept away by his jets when he pulled out, or he'll think we just drifted away in our space suits. Yes, which could easily have happened. Yes, the problem is navigation. We're traveling in orbit over the poles, and Orbiter 2's course is inclined at an angle of about 45 degrees to the equator, as far as I can remember. Uh, 47.5, actually. Oh, you know that, do you? Yes, I remember what our course and velocity were when we bailed out. Oh, good for you, Mac. Well, I was in charge of the navigation. All right. <laughs> and if you give me a little time, I can calculate just when she'll be at our nearest point to us. Which is when we should pick her up with a chariot. Exactly. It's marvelous. If you'll start working on that, Hickey and I will sort out the spare parts and begin putting the chariot together. Okay, but all this is going to take some time. Grandma might just be back before it's finished. That, my boy, is a chance we've got to take. Mm-hmm.